The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. Informative and engaging. Rick Munn. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Uh, Yes, it's uh, Thursday, the 29th of February. And if you're just joining us right now, I just have one question for you. Where have you been? Where have you been? What have you been doing? Why haven't you been listening all morning? And of course, if you're planning on leaving after the end of this show, why are you leaving? Why aren't you staying on all day? TNT isn't just a one-hour thing for a certain person or a certain show or a certain presenter. We are 24-7, broadcasting 24-7, the vast majority of which is live. It's a unique proposition on the world stage at the minute, what we're doing here at the minute. And I think we're doing a fantastic job. And of course, I would say that, but genuinely, respect is due. And I want to believe you lovely people out there are enjoying it as much as we are bringing it to you. So yeah, stay tuned for this hour. We have a lot coming up. I'm going to be talking to Gemma in just a minute. And then Basil Valentine will be joining me around about 20 past. We're going to be talking about the Rochdale by-election and also uh, Sweden's admission into NATO, what the ramifications of that may be on the world's uh, geopolitical stage. Then towards the end of the show, I'm going to be joined for the first time by uh, John Larder. He's an ex-paramedic based in New South Wales in uh, Australia, and he is the brother-in-law of the one and only Stephen Kelly, uh, who's also ex-New South Wales police, both of which uh, have lost their jobs because of vaccine mandates. And we're going to look at that in light of the uh, unlawful ruling that's been given out Uh, that these things should never have been inflicted upon people in the first place and whether or not uh, we could see a large uh, return back to those professions from the people or have they had enough of the mistreatment and the abuse that they have actually received. So all that's still to come. Please feel free to leave us a message in the live chat. Uh, I do try and dip in and out of the live chat as the show goes on, but because it's so manic at the minute, uh, with multiple guests going on, we've got news editorials going on, with other things going on with the vision as well. It's just not as easy as it used to be. Uh, whenever I was uh, off cam, let's just say I could sit and talk with my head, uh, nose buried into my phone. But this isn't this isn't really a good look uh, for live TV anymore if I'm sitting doing this. So yeah, uh, I don't do it anymore. So I do check up on the messages after the show. So please uh, feel free to leave us your feedback. And last but not least, thank you for the lovely emails that some of you have been sending, one of which I got yesterday from a farmer in uh, Australia. He was out farming yesterday and we were talking about Johnny Cash, that song, God's Gonna Cut You Down. He actually messaged me to tell me about uh, his music, love of music. He was a big David Bowie fan and also a big Johnny Cash fan. So he was listening in as he was out farming yesterday and just thought he would drop me a message. So big salute to you. Uh, Really appreciate those kind of messages. Uh, It makes me realize, uh, you know, we are making a difference in some people's lives here. And uh, we're gonna do our damnedest to continue to do that. As always, you know, I'm supposed to waffle on for a few more minutes, but I'd rather waffle with Gemma. So I'm going to bring her in prematurely uh, here on TNT. Please forgive me. Don't hold it against me. Uh, We'll be right back. Don't go away. It's the stuff. It's that division people are talking about. And that cluelessness that they want to push. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
you told us as well, Gemma, a story about uh, somebody that you bumped into in real life uh, that you happened to know, and uh, they were conscious of the fact that you were doing this business. Now, isn't it cool when people in real life connect with what you're actually doing on air, even if it's an email or a little message somebody sends you on a messaging group, or even better in real life, it makes that connection so much more sweet when what you're doing virtually here actually translates into the real world. Oh, it was amazing. I mean, I have recounted this story several times now on TNT, mm -hmm. but it made my week when it happened. And it was, yeah, someone in my hometown, a couple of miles down the road. I don't live in my hometown anymore. I live just a couple of miles outside. And uh, yeah, and he dropped me a text, local scaffolder, known him all my life, went mm -hmm. to school with him, drinking pubs with him, Steve Walters, give him another shout out. He texted mm -hmm. me, oh, Jim, brilliant to see you on TNT. Absolutely wicked. You're doing great work. You think that no one's watching or listening. You think it's a disparate global audience. Somebody two miles down the road, who I went to school with, I've known all my life. He's like, yeah, go on. And then I said, are you listening to TNT? He said, Jem, loads of people are listening to TNT. I've got it up here on the scaffold with me. You know, that's just, that's the reach. That's the reach that we have, the reach that they can't control. That's that's the joy of it all. There was one that my, my I suppose, only genuine real life experience, meeting a complete random person that I don't know at all who recognized me from being on the internet. Uh, I was uh, walking in my last, uh, the last place that I lived and there was a guy who used to see frequently and he used to walk these big uh, pit bulls. He, he, had a, he had about eight of them. So we had to take four out around the block and then go home and pick up another four and go around the block. So as I was passing this walk, guy one day I always said, hello, good morning, how are you doing? Just a bit of small talk. And he stopped with the dogs and he said, uh, do you have, you have a Telegram group? Do you do you make videos and post them on the Telegram group? And I said, uh, yeah, I do. He says, well, I, listen, I just want to let you know I've been watching your videos for ages and I've seen you walking around here before, but I never plucked up the courage to say hello to you. I said, don't be stupid. I said, speak to me. Feel free to do so. But we stood and we had a really, really long chat and I thought that was really cool. Uh, there was a guy that lived in my neighbourhood that had been watching me, but silently from a distance and somebody else uh, beeped the horn at me when I was walking up the street one day and then left me a message in the time. I saw you the other night walking up such and such a street. So it's cool. Uh, it's, hardly, it's hardly what you would call a red carpet A-list celebrity stuff, but that's my one experience of someone in the real world actually saying, yeah, you're that guy I see on the internet. Just one person, by the way. Uh, I don't have legions of fans. <laughs> It is really, I think it's worth a mention, though, because the, mm -hmm. the impression that the globalist elite legacy media want to portray of us is that we're these disparate, you know, hiding mm -hmm. away behind our screens. Uh, we haven't got any friends. We, we, we're maladjusted. We, you know, we can't get along in the so-called real world. Uh, and we're existing in isolation. That's the myth. It's far from the truth. It's a, it's a, it's a complete lie, actually. Um, and we're everywhere, and we do recognize each other, and we do call each other out and support each other, which is the main main thing. And and we're continuing to do so. So I do think examples like that are really um, important in highlighting the 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 reality and the the lie that's being peddled that we're dysfunctional, abnormal isolationists, all prepping for whatever. You know, we're not like that. We're normal people who see through globalist agendas and that's it that's it nothing more you know and i think it's great but that that's that's still example of me and my mate steve that has been the the high apart from getting the job itself at tnt that's been the highlight for me definitely
And the other thing too is when we bridge that gap between broadcasting and actual real world social interaction, it's the sweetest spot. So just last week, we had that monumental coverage of uh, the Assange trial in London last week, and it was a resounding success. So many people, I think, uh, got turned on to TNT because of that. Uh, we were on the ground in London broadcasting outside the courts of justice. That was going on for a few days. People were live on air. We had our own place broadcasting live outside broadcasting. And last year uh, at the Better Way conference, which TNT sponsored last June in Bath as well, that was absolutely uh, hiving with people uh, from all over the place. And we actually set up and broadcasted live from the conference uh, a couple of mornings that week as well. And it was so cool to be sitting doing the show like I'm doing now, but with real people just walking randomly past and standing looking at you like, what's he, what, what are they doing? Oh, they're doing a live radio broadcast and we had people phoning in. It was really powerful. And then of course, meeting some of the people that you've been talking to on air, it's a very powerful way to just cement those connections. Absolutely. I couldn't have put it better myself there, Rick. That's absolutely exactly what it is, cementing those connections yeah yeah long may it continue mm, indeed long may it continue indeed and uh, we'll have a story here to cover uh, uh on this section here as well latest from putin's annual address to the nation very important obviously because we love him or hate him uh, what he says you know has a lot of sway out there so uh, what's the latest on uh, his address to uh, the yeah. russians Quite. Well, yeah, I mean, this is Putin's annual address to the Russian uh, parliament, Russian government. Um, uh, last year, he was talking about Ukraine. This year, he also has mentioned Ukraine. He started talking just after 9.15 UK time. Um, and there are some key points to take away. A couple of them are a bit contradictory and, and actually quite worrying. Um, but yeah, he started delivering his annual address to Russia's Federal Assembly. And of course, it's two weeks before the Russian elections. And, and tomorrow is Alexei Navalny's funeral. So that, you know, mm. there is the, the eyes of the world are on Russia more than they would be normally, I would think. But there's few key takeaway points so far in this annual address. Firstly, he did start with Ukraine, uh, and he said that there is overwhelming support from the Russian people for the military action in Ukraine. There was a minute silence for the Russians that have died in the conflict. He says, you know, this, this conflict is inevitable because of the colonial tendencies of the West who want to destroy Russia. He then went on to talk about um, the, the headlines we've seen over the last few weeks about Russia putting, you know, satellite killing nuclear weapons into space, which we've seen at headlines in the West. He said that was a total lie uh, to make Russia look bad. He then said, we are actually being very responsible over nuclear weapons. We're trying to constrain the use of nuclear weapons. It's the West that wants this continued arms race, which you think actually does sound quite measured. However, in the next breath, he talks about NATO expansion. He talks about the fact that they, you know, all of these territories are expanding, entering NATO like Sweden, which we're going to talk about with Basel. And he says, you know, these countries and NATO forces are preparing to strike Russian territory. If that is the case, he says to, hit, to the Russian Assembly, he says uh, that Russia could use nuclear weapons. Um, and he does say, you know, if we if Russian territory is attacked, we will consider this. Do the West not understand this fact? He's coming down quite hard on that. So in on the one hand, he's saying, don't be silly. We're not going to put nuclear weapons into space. We want to constrain the arms race. And the next thing he's saying is, if you come onto my territory, I will blast you out the water. That's what it seems. So some fighting talk there, whether that's saber rattling, because they know the West will be looking at this conference today. And there's quite a few Western media there. Um, it, it could be that. It could be saber rattling. We've seen that in the Cold War. We, we, we have seen 
seen it through through the last few months. Uh, it could be a continuation of that. He then goes on to talk about Russian family values. He says that every country in the world is facing a declining birth rate. Russia is no exception. He wants Russian people to have big families. That did raise a rousing amount of applause, actually, in the Federal Assembly. Um, he says the reason Russia needs to now breed and have more children is because the West has is is destroyed moral values and family values, and Russia has still held on to them, and we are a much more civilized country than any country in the West. So there's a lot to take apart, even from the first 45 minutes, uh, not even that of, of his address. Mm. Um, there's more. He's still speaking now. There'll be more to come. Mm. Uh, those are the big takeaways, though. He started with military action. He st then started talking about nuclear weapons and then on to family values. I mean, you know, there won't be any people to have children if you put your finger on the trigger, because once that happens, it's game over for all of us, isn't it? It is uh, interesting some of the points that you touched on as well. They're obviously still uh, referencing the Ukraine conflict because it's still ongoing, but uh, we're two years down the track with that one. And it's in stark contrast to, you know, the lies that uh, Zelensky's coming out with saying, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of Russians have been killed and there's only, you know, 10 or 20,000 Ukrainian casualties. That's a complete and utter uh, lie. Uh, you also talked about the, uh, the approval of the Russian people uh, backing what he's doing, the special military operation, as he calls it, in Ukraine. And let's not forget as well, Gemma, uh, most of the eastern part of Ukraine also backs Putin's action in this. You know, there was a referendum, there were referenda that were carried out over the last few years. They said, no, we want to actually become part of Russia because of the attacks that they'd been suffering uh, over the last eight to 10 years, which effectively led the beginning of this campaign uh, in the first place. So uh, very interesting time indeed. Uh, Putin certainly uh, scoring highly on the approval ratings from people begrudgingly, not saying that we support him. I don't support him. I'm not a backer or a fan of Vladimir Putin. But when you stack him up against the like of Biden and these other uh, hallions that are running the world stage or Rishi Sunak, you know, it, it's 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 not who's the best. It's like who's the least bad. And uh, there's another warning. Uh, there's a stud, salutary warning, actually, Jane Black if she's listening in from the Glens of Antrim, she posted up talking Yuri Bezmenov, who was a KGB defector, talked about how uh, ideological subversion happens, said, be careful, be careful that the person that is being painted as being the good guy or the better alternative to what you have could well be the ultimate wolf in sheep's clothing. So old Vladimir didn't get to where he is today, Gemma, and hold on to par as the leader of Russia, ex-KGB and all that, without stepping on a few people on the way up. And I would say he stepped on quite a few more to maintain his position there. Let's take, not that we have, you and I have them on, but let's collectively not put the rose-tinted glasses on when it comes to life in Russia and life under Putin as well, because I would say it's no bed of roses, as many people in the gulags would attest to. Exactly. He is still a global leader. You don't you're not a shy retiring wallflower, you know, if to become a to become a, a player on the global stage. And, you know, as with all of them, who's pulling the strings behind his back, you know, that he won't be immune to that any more than any other of our leaders. Um, but I do find the contradiction in in so far, these are the notes I managed to make before we came on air. He is still talking as we speak. Um, and I will go back to see what he's had to say. But I find the contradiction of like, no, 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 we we we're using the we're using nuclear's uh, responsibly, we want to constrain the arms race. It's the West that wants war. And in the next breath saying, if you come any closer, I'm going to push the button.
you know, but that's yeah. that there's this juxtaposition there. Now, is that gaslighting? Is that word salad? Is that to just put everybody on the back foot, including mm. Western leaders who understand that, you know, who's nobody's ever going to do it because that's it. The whole the whole planet will be destroyed, even countries that don't have nuclear weapons. And there are many, you know, the fallout that from those bombs will if you believe the nuclear agenda, there's a whole other body of research, I won't go into it now, that says that the nuclear threat isn't as big as we seem. It's just another fear tactic. However, that aside, he is talking about those two things side by side uh, this morning in the Russian Federal Assembly that, you know, no, 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 I'm not going to put nukes into space, but you come any closer, I will nuke you. Now, which mm-hmm. one is it, Putin? Which one is it, you know? You, you yeah. can't. You, can you hold two opinions like that simultaneously? I don't know. Is that is that cognitive dissonance? I'm not sure. He, he's a very shrewd. He's a very stoic chap. Uh, if you notice carefully, and just as we're up this one, up, watch out for Crimea. That's my top tip. He keeps referring to Crimea. He keeps referring to uh, if you step into Crimea, that's going to push us right over the edge. So uh, he maybe isn't focusing on it. Obviously, I haven't heard him live since uh, nine o'clock this morning because I've been on there myself. But I will go and see what he said but there seems to be uh, the word Crimea is popping up more and more when it comes to Putin and NATO. So that could be something to watch out for into 2024 as a hot button uh, that sets everything off if, in fact, everything does go off. But uh, we've got a call time in this one now. I was going to say I'll see you again tomorrow, but I know you're off tomorrow. Uh, sadly, uh, whoever's gain is TNT's loss. So uh, we shall reconvene again next Monday. Yes, Monday all being well. And we'll be into March can you believe it, Gemma? We'll be into March uh, next week when you come back. So we'll have a great day off tomorrow. And uh, I shall see you then uh, when you come back again. And please stay tuned for more here on Locked and Loaded. Basil Valentine is incoming uh, for an update on uh, Rochdale and Sweden. So don't go away. Stay tuned on TNT. TNT's Patrick Henningsen. So you see what's happening here. The White House is doing heavy spring cleaning deep clean to expunge to erase to discredit believe it or not even though this stuff has already been out they're still trying to move to discredit uh any talk or any evidence or anything related to the hunter biden laptop story and also any biden corruption in ukraine so their hand is being forced uh and they're not going to take this lying down the white house certainly is not going to uh capitulate to any of these allegations or charges um, the Republicans have been pushing forward, as everybody knows, with this House investigation, been getting very interesting traction. So now the deep state is moving into action to discredit any witnesses uh, and to write it all off as Russian disinformation. Sound familiar? Have we been here before? Of course we have. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT. The challenges our planet's animals are facing sometimes feel a bit heavy. The animals haven't eaten in a day, two days, they haven't drank anything, they're cold, they're dehydrated. As soon as we started our descent, everywhere I could see was mud, just absolutely mud. You know, the country has been prolonged for drought so long, it was like a tinderbox waiting to go up. Okay, very heavy. Each of us wants to be part of the solution, and we can be. Remember that there's good happening right now. At home. All right, we were able to get into your unit and we have all four of your cats. So, uh... Okay. And around the world. For any animal in any disaster. So let's focus on that, right? Be part of the solution. One rescue at a time. Search ifa.org forward slash disaster ready. 
Are we on the air? Am I on the air? You're on the air. On the air 24-7. Your news talk giant. TNT. Yes, your news talk giant, TNT. This is TNT. This is Locked and Loaded. Really happy to be joined uh, this morning live, uncensored, unscripted, on un many other things by the one and only Basil Valentine. Baz, how are you doing this fine, beautiful Thursday, the 29th of February, 2024 morning? Very well, thank you, Rick. And good morning, good afternoon to our viewers and listeners all over the world. Huh? I just want to talk about vocabulary before we get into Rochdale in Sweden. <laughs> I was listening to uh, Patrick Henningsen, uh, dulcet tones there during the break, and he came out with a word that really struck me. It was a great word. It was called expunge. We don't hear the word expunge used very much, and it brought back memories of our days uh, on Locked and Loaded last year. There was two words in particular that you came out with that stuck in my head and resonated <laughs> with me deeply. One was paucity, and the other one was and I think, Basil, uh, we need to expand. Well, not you. Obviously, you've got a very nice vocabulary, but I need to work oh, on my vocab, learn a word a day, and implement it in my broadcasting. Do you think it would make me a better proposition for TNT? Uh, you're a plain-speaking Irishman, if you don't mind me saying so, Rick, and all the better for it. Uh, <laughs> I, I enjoy, uh, and these days it's so easy, of course, to Google a word, if you hear somebody using it. Um, and also, words can disappear out of our vocabulary mm -hmm. through lack of use. Or one can hear other people using a term and um, you know think that you have an understanding of what it means from the context, but without actually really knowing what it means, if that makes any sense. You know? Yeah, it does. Uh, and, and then sometimes you use it yourself in a context where you've heard other people use it, and it turns out it's completely the wrong word to use. Two words I want to reintroduce to my vocabulary, because oh. I do enjoy expanding it, actually, are oh. diffident and facetious. Mm. Facetious means uh, making light of serious subjects. And that's something that we try and avoid here generally on TNT. Uh, mm. We like to be lighthearted from time to time. But then again, the serious matters need to be dealt with seriously. Diffident. Mm. Well, can you give me a definition, Rick? I was about to say, I know what facetious means because I must admit I'm probably the most facetious person on TNT and I'm feeling a little bit guilty after what you've just <laughs> said there. But, but diffident, no, uh, dissident, yes, uh, indifferent, diffident, yes. Diffident means shy or modest because of a lack of self-confidence. So um, obviously not that's diffident. not something that... TNT presenters suffered from. No, I, I'm not diffident, but I'm definitely hands up. I am uh, Mr. Facetious. That should be actually my middle <laughs> name. <laughs> but moving on, moving on away from that, I'm going to put on my poker face. Yes, because there are serious businesses uh, that we're going to talk about uh, this morning. That's first right. of which is the Rochdale by-election. I never thought, Basil, in all my days that I would hear the name Rochdale come up so much and so much gravity being put on the outcome of the Rochdale by-election in the UK. What is writing on this, really? What's the hullabaloo all about? Well, somebody who most certainly is not in the least bit diffident is the man most likely to become the next member of parliament for Rochdale, the one and only George Galloway. Um, Rochdale, of course, is in Greater Manchester. It's right at the sort of north 
uh, east of the Greater Manchester area, bordering on Yorkshire. Um, and Labour had a 9,668 vote majority, uh, which it expected to increase, according to The Guardian, until it emerged that its candidate, Azhar Ali, had uh, repeated the theory that uh, Israel had prior knowledge of the events of October the 7th and allowed them to happen. Um, and I would dispute that because uh, I had a small wager on George Galloway being uh, elected uh, before the uh, Azhar Ali scandal broke. I mean, I say scandal. Um, the uh, Israeli prior knowledge of October the 7th is a theory uh, well advanced in the Israeli press. Uh, of course, he, he was described as being anti-Semitic. I mean, it's, you know, because you have an idea about the actions of the Israeli government does not make you anti-Semitic. But anyway, the Labour Party have tied themselves in so many knots about that. It was hardly surprising that somebody with uh, a, a Muslim-sounding name like Azhar Ali should be disowned by the party. It's quite an extraordinary situation. Basically, although he had been nominated as the Labour Party candidate, and uh, that's how he will appear on the ballot paper today, um, the Labour Party withdrew all its support for him. They didn't send any MPs, they didn't print any leaflets. Uh, basically, they completely disowned him. And he is effectively running as an independent. And should he win, uh, he will sit in the House of Commons as an independent. Now, the irony of the situation is that, of course, when uh, he was first disowned by the Labour Party, uh, his odds, and I follow the betting on the exchanges and what have you, his odds uh, went, went out. In other words, people thought he was much less likely to win after the Labour Party disowned him. And then a day or two later, when people began to realise the implications and just how unpopular Labour's stance on Gaza has been, and that this now meant Azhar Ali could speak independent of the Labour Party, his odds started contracting again. So in other words, you, you're better off being disowned by the Labour Party than being supported by them. Uh, it was felt that if the Labour Party started sending shadow ministers and what have you to support his campaign, in Rochdale, that would be counterproductive. So for a traditional working class constituency in the north of England, the Labour Party has made a complete mess of this. Mm -hmm. And uh, George Galloway is the heavily odds-on favourite with the bookmakers, ranging between four to seven and eight to 13, or uh, eight to 15, which basically, according to the bookies, gives him about a two thirds chance of winning somewhere between 65 and 70 percent. That's what the bookies gonna, reckon. Yeah, I was uh, going to ask you about well, the odds. Uh, I was going to ask you about the odds and that. Didn't you say, didn't you just say that you, ha you got some better action than that uh, earlier on in the race? Uh, I'm, I'm guessing you didn't. You got much better odds than that when you first uh, placed the flutter in him. Isn't that what you said? Or have I picked that up wrong? You did stick a few No, I, I him, did. did. I, 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 I thought George had stood a very good chance uh, right from the moment the election was called. And mm -hmm. he said he would be standing because, mm -hmm. uh, and it sounds bizarre to say this, George is the most clearly identifiable anti-genocide candidate. Mm -hmm. uh, one mm -hmm. can only assume that uh, the Conservative Party candidate, for example, is standing on a pro-genocide ticket.
Uh, and uh, as are Ali himself, the Labour candidate, uh, formerly uh, of the Labour Party, now effectively an independent, is very much from the Blairite wing of the party. Um, okay. So we don't really know where he stands. Uh, yeah, I got uh, about five or six to one on the betting exchange. Yes. I nice. could cash out now and uh, win £20 or something, but I'm going to wait for tonight because uh, I hope and believe George will win. And it's extraordinary when you think about it, Rick, to see uh, an, in, you know, an incredibly minor party yeah. in the grand scheme of national politics, the Workers' Party of Great Britain, which is the one to which George now belongs and which he leads, I think, um, also supported by former Labour MP Chris Williamson, to see the Workers' Party of Great Britain uh, at the top of the of, of the uh, betting odds, you, yeah. you know, with Labour in second place. Here is a, a you know a totally sort of arrivist new party leading the polls. In fact, if you read down the betting odds, Workers' Party of Great Britain favourites, Labour second favourites. Although, as I say, he isn't a proper Labour candidate. Reform UK are in third place ahead of the Liberal Democrats, the Conservatives and the Greens. So the bookies expect the parties to finish in the following order. One, Workers' Party of Britain, two, Labour, three, Reform UK, four, Liberal Democrats, five, Conservative and six, Greens. So, you know, Reform are expected to beat the Conservatives and the Liberal Democrats. And yeah. Workers' Party of Britain is expected to beat the lot. Now, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful if... Uh, we saw similar upsets up and down the country at a general election because we've got to break this two-party duopoly, this stranglehold. At the moment in the House of Commons, we have uh, 650 self-serving individuals uh, and appalling lack of representation of the views, beliefs of the British people. Well, this could be uh, the beginnings uh, of that proverbial house of cards coming crashing down. And like everything else, uh, Basil, time will tell on that one. Uh, we've got to take a little headline break as per right now. And when we come back at the other side, uh, thank you very much, by the way, for the uh, overview on what's going on in Rochdale, especially in and around uh, George's uh, aspirations to getting that seat, which looks nailed down. And uh, congratulations to you, by the way, on getting in and getting some nice Never count your money the before the how, never count your money before the horses pass the post. Well, we're hopeful, a, we're optimistic, but it's up to the voters like that, today. That advice is born from bitter experience uh, uh, at the <laughs> at the turf accountants in the past. Uh, but we've got to take a quick headline break. When we come back at the other side, we're going to be looking at uh, Sweden, NATO, and some developments that are going on there live, uncensored, unscripted, and all that other business here on TNT today's news talk. TNT Radio News. This is news. Here we go. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Following a period of increased tension, France is seemingly looking to thaw its diplomatic relations with Morocco. The longest-serving Senate leader in US history and arguably one of the most controversial has announced he's stepping down from the top job. And Hunter Biden, the son of US President Joe Biden, has testified behind closed doors as part of the Republican-led House's impeachment inquiry into his father. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT Radio. 
Uh, just uh, interestingly, for your own information, Basil, the live chat is absolutely buzzing at the minute, and someone has picked up on that word facetious, and not on the meaning of the word, but they've actually pointed out that it contains all the vowels in the alphabet in order. So A, E, I, O, and U all appear in the word facetious wow. in order, uh, which is a little bit of trivia. Maybe you weren't aware of it. I know I wasn't. So it uh, shows you I'm our listeners are sharp. Our listeners are on the ball. They're not just bang uh, on the ball. They're bang on the money for that one. So big thanks to you. I'm just going to give a shout out to who that was. That was Jack Guzzler Cliffy, by the way. So massive respect to you. And uh, if you haven't already done so, I would encourage you to apply to Countdown. I think you would do very well on that old English TV program if it's still running. But Baz, let's get back onto uh, the political stage at the minute. Sweden, NATO, uh, congratulations, champions, Corks popping everywhere. Uh, Sweden looks like it's going to be uh, uh, subsumed into NATO as per right now, good or bad or ugly. Uh, yes, on Monday, the Hungarian parliament voted for Swedish accession to NATO. It ends over 200 years of Swedish neutrality. And uh, I'm one of those people naive enough to think that in the 1990s and onwards, we were going to enjoy a new peace dividend, an era of peace and prosperity with demilitarization uh, and uh, even possibly the end of NATO itself. But unfortunately, we're now heading in the other direction. Uh, the NATO accessions of Sweden and Finland are one of the biggest geopolitical consequences of the Russian intervention in Ukraine. Jen Stoltenberg, NATO Secretary General, said Sweden's membership will make us all stronger and safer. Whenever I hear that word safer, uh, I start to um, you know, wonder what the ulterior motives are, Rick. We all know that safety usually comes at the expense of civil liberties and generally means an increase in tension. It it does. And interesting, uh, Hungary, uh, it, it's interesting, I suppose, that after 200 years of neutrality, that all of a sudden Sweden are now uh, going to be part of uh, NATO. But also Hungary, uh, having stood off in this one for so long, they've, uh, you know, jumped into the ring as well and uh, backed this one up. What's caused their change of heart uh, just as we wrap this one up? Do you think uh, relentless political pressure is something going on behind the scenes? What caused uh, Hungary's change of heart, in your opinion? Uh, yes, exactly. Relentless political pressure. Uh -huh. um, it's been the same with uh, Hungary's attitude towards accepting 10,000 of migrants. They don't really want them, um, but the EU threatened to withhold their funding for Hungary. Major rows about all that. Uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Orban, but he does at least stand up for the indigenous people of Hungary. It's a shame he doesn't stand up for the indigenous people of Palestine. Uh, mm. But uh, I digress. Uh, the entry, of course, of uh, the two Nordic countries now gives NATO control of almost the entire Baltic Sea, uh, aside from the Russian enclave of Kaliningrad and the island of Gotland uh, in the Baltic Sea gives uh, uh, very close proximity to Leningrad, St. Petersburg, for example, uh, which could be attacked very, very easily. So. Uh, it's all uh, at the moment at the wrong direction, if you ask me. Uh, the, the, you know, the Swedes, Swedish people were never asked, of course, if they wanted to join NATO. There was no referendum or anything like that. Um, just relentless pro-war propaganda. Mm. Uh, I can't see what NATO, what Sweden gains from it. I can see what NATO gains. And the Swedish yeah. have already allowed American access to 
dozens of their military bases. So yeah. Um, so yeah. there's 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 obviously uh, plans within plans here. Uh, this is I don't believe it's a positive move at all. And of course, timing is everything. Why Hungary have relinquished now at this particular time, and why Sweden have jumped off uh, the fence, straddling neutrality post now? Of course, there's reasons for everything, and time reveals all battle. Uh, and we we're certainly looking at uh, what the different options are, what the different scenarios are. But in time, uh, all shall be revealed. Big thanks very, to you, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very a, quickly. I just want to yeah. say, Carl Oscar Bolin, the Minister for Civil Defence in Sweden, says there could be war in Sweden. Stockholm mm. and other European capitals have been stepping up warnings about the possibility of Russia carrying out attacks on other countries beyond Ukraine. I mean, yeah. th this is pure fantasy stuff. It's just paranoid fantasy. And bad is. policy is made on the back of paranoid fantasy, Rick. Thank you. Paranoid fantasy. That's a great uh, album name for a progressive uh, band <laughs> from the seventies. I would have thought it sounds or a great album, great death metal band name. I'm thinking of starting a death metal band again. And paranoid fantasy <laughs> could just be uh, the name that I've been looking for. So again, uh, massive thanks and respect to you. You bring so much Don't color and shit. Don't I be won't facetious, be facetious, Rick. and I sure as hell <laughs> won't be a dividend. That much I can guarantee you. So big thanks to you, Basil, for all the input this morning. It's been an absolute blast talking to you. I've got to take a quick break right now, and we'll be back at the other side with John Larder from New South Wales in Australia. So please don't go away. Stay tuned for more here on TNT, today's news talk. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. So here's an interesting little tidbit. The month of February in the United States has had 132 all-time record highs. Now, let's assume 100 years ago, it was just as warm as the weather that has set these all-time record highs. How many stations do you think would have had record highs? See what I'm saying? There are a lot more stations established across the United States now than there were 100 years ago, than there were 50 years ago, than there were 20 years ago. Some of the stations that broke their all-time record highs have had historical records of only 30 to 40 years. Now, that does not mean it was not an impressive display of warmth in the month of February. But let's say these record highs occurred just a couple of days ago. Well, most of the places that had those record highs had 40 to 60 degree temperature drops in the following couple of days. We've got wildfires going on in the Texas Panhandle where it's likely to snow tomorrow night, at least at times. It may snow into Dallas tomorrow night. So the weather is capable of wild swings. Now that is still a fantastic fact that 132 all-time record highs were set in the month of February in the United States. However, you still have to put it in perspective. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Food isn't just fuel to live, it's fuel to grow. My family relied on public assistance to help provide meals for us. These meals fueled my involvement in theater and the arts as a child, which fostered my love for acting. The Feeding America network of food banks helps millions of people put food on the table. When people are fed, futures are nourished. Join the movement to end hunger, and together we can open endless possibilities for people to thrive. Visit feedingamerica.org actnow. 
This is Locked and Loaded with Rick Munn on TNT. Yes, Locked and Loaded, Rick Munn, TNT, and we still have plenty to play for before uh, the final whistle is blown in the show here this morning. I'm really happy to be joined for the first time on Locked and Loaded anyway by the one and only John Larder. He hails from uh, Tumut, or Tumut, I hope I've got it right, in New South Wales. Please forgive me. I'm an Irishman. I'm just doing my best here, John. Uh, welcome to the show. How are you doing this uh, fine Thursday night in your case? How, you, how How's life? Mate, couldn't be uh, couldn't be better, and uh, great to be with you, Rick, on TNT. Uh, thanks for all the great work you've been doing uh, in TNT Radio. You, you're uh, absolutely smashing it. Oh, much appreciated. And you know what? I have to give props out to your brother-in-law, Stephen Kelly. Uh, He is suddenly, I don't know if you know this or not, but he was my very first guest on my very first show ever when TNT actually launched was our Stephen Kelly. And he actually came in uh, at the last minute because my first guest let me down and it was my first day on air. I didn't know what I was doing. I was in a panic and I can remember Steve-O coming on and he had these two big, massive white... uh, cordless earphones and one cap dropping out of his ear and it was really distracting me when I was talking to him but I I managed and God bless him he's been coming back ever since so uh yeah you're in good company uh in in the Kelly household I would have thought would you agree you. yeah definitely uh his sister's uh very much the same they're uh they're they're uh one one in a million Mm, thank God they're one in a million are the Kellys. Thank God for that. Uh, but before we go any further, just to give people an idea of who you are, John uh, was a paramedic, New South Wales Ambulance for approximately 25 years, station officer in charge of ambulance in uh, New South Wales at the time of your sacking. You challenged your dismissal uh, in the New South Wales Supreme Court of Appeal, but you lost that case. Uh, the case was after uh, one of uh, Kassam versus Hazard. You're the ex-mayor and Deputy Mayor of Tumut. You're also uh, responsible for doing some uh, podcasting with the one and only uh, Graham Hood, a.k.a. Hoodie. And obviously, you have a lot to say. Let's talk about these mandates. Number one, you lost your job because of it. I believe uh, your wife was in the same position. Steve-O lost his job in New South Wales Police because of it as well. Talk about wrecking people's lives. And for what? For criminal acts or uh, because you were a bad guy? No, because you simply didn't roll up your sleeve. How can that be right? How can that be right, uh, John? Well, Rick, it's... uh... I, I mean, the cards have fallen now. The, the house of cards is falling down. Uh, look, it's a, it's a really uh, sad situation, but uh, as you rightly point out, 25 years I worked for New South Wales Ambulance as a paramedic. I worked in uh, all areas of, of the operations, uh, from control centres to the media, air ambulance and uh, on-road, and, and then as the station officer at uh, Chairman for uh, since 2006. And look, uh, I was not an anti, well, I don't even like the term now anti-vaxxer, but, uh, you know, we've got six kids, they're all vaccinated, but something wasn't right with this and I could sense it uh, and I could see it. I saw it uh, working as a paramedic. People were were dying or having ill effects from this vaccine uh, uh, literally, uh, you know, within days. And I thought, hang on, there's something, something amiss. And... Uh, I uh, spoke with Steve Kelly and uh, he was working for the coroner's unit at the time and uh, he, he he was the one that really sort of, uh, I suppose, triggered me into thinking there's something not right. He, he was very suspicious of it. 
and uh, there were some doctors that were, were putting information out, like Dr. Simone Gold, uh, Peter McCullough, uh, Robert Malone and, and others overseas. But there wasn't a lot of, um, I suppose, doctors in Australia that were speaking out. And, and I think largely that was because what happened was the regulator of, of the medical services in Australia, uh, APRA, uh, sent every physician, every medical practitioner, every paramedic, nurse, physio, a letter essentially uh, advising them that if they spoke up about the vaccine uh, and said anything derogatory or contrary to the uh, government narrative on this, that they would uh, face disciplinary uh, uh, um, charges. And as it turned out, that's exactly what happened. I, I was, I was uh, suspended as a paramedic. And uh, I spoke out with Tanya Davies, who was a member of parliament. She was a member of the government, actually, in the Berejiklian government. She'd been a former uh, mental health minister, uh, no less. And she she also was uh, going nuts about these vaccines because Western Sydney had just been locked down. They 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 were uh, they were subjected to some of the the harshest me measures uh, that were uh, put in place by the Berejiklian government and these nutbags at New South Wales Health, like Kerry Chant and Brad Hazard. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we, we found ourselves in a, in a very dire situation where, where essentially we were, we were then, uh, they were happy for us to work during the uh, Delta and uh, we were dealing with people that were coming off these boats and uh, ruby princesses and, and the like. But uh, as soon as it uh, became a, a political uh, issue, they, they sacked us. Here's the thing, right? You're talking about your experience. Uh, I just want to rewind a little bit back 25 odd years as a paramedic. You look at Stephen, uh, who was nearly 30 years in the police working with the coroner's department. All that knowledge, all that experience, all that skill. And with you being a paramedic as well, I can only imagine the amount of lives that you have saved and the amount of people that you have stabilized that would have died had you not been a paramedic. And literally all of that, counted for absolutely nothing. They were prepared to move you to the side and many, many other people with the same qualifications as you, with the same level of experience, saving lives over decades. No, it's more important that you take this so-called job. To me, that was the height of lunacy. But not only that, uh, not only that, this also extended obviously to teachers and people were being demonized and vilified because of it. Uh, I want to fast forward to today. Uh, the uh, Jared Rennick uh, put a post up this week on uh, social media. You'll obviously be aware of this. I want to talk to you about this story here. Vaccine mandates have been ruled unlawful in Queensland. So uh, Jared's words here, I'm paraphrasing, he said, it's been a long time coming, but today a little bit of justice has finally been served. Congratulations since the brave police officers and paramedics who stood up to the tyranny of the state and their minions who violated people's human rights. I hope this sets a precedent for other employees to sue employers who violated human rights by enforcing COVID mandates. So we're seeing a big crack appearing in the plaster here, uh, John, and it's going to affect a lot of people. Now, all of a sudden, there's been a court ruling against this one here. I asked Stephen this question you know, a year ago, I said, what if you were uh, vindicated? What if you were offered your old job back in the, uh, the uh, New South Wales place? At the time, he said, I, I wouldn't take it. Uh, I'm on a new path now. I wouldn't take it. What's the feeling amongst uh, with yourself 
amongst other paramedics that I'm sure you're still in contact with, if they came groveling back to you again and admitted, oh, we got this one terribly wrong, John, is the wound too deep uh, in what you went through to, to go back on that? Or what would your feelings in that be? Well, it's, it's an interesting question, actually, Rick. Uh, and tonight, Graham Hood and I actually did a, a podcast with a number of paramedics, and, and that was essentially uh, one, one of the questions that we raised. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and look, I, I've got to say it was probably 50-50. Uh, a lot of them are very, very upset. They're very angry and uh, they're very distrustful of the government and the organisations that they've uh, served uh, so passionately for years and years. Uh, I think in 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 a, a great deal of these cases, Rick, I think a lot of those uh, people will be very reticent to actually return uh, and uh, it would be very traumatic for them. Look, I've got to say, if it was up to me, uh, look, I, I think I need to go back uh, just to demonstrate uh, that this was so wrong. Um, look, but I, I, I'd like to go back as the chief executive of New South Wales Ambulance. That's what I'd like to do. Mm. And I'd, I, I'd do what Donald Trump is 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 uh, going to do and drain the swamp. Uh mm. The, these uh, these bureaucrats in these organisations, look, they were on a pathway uh, to destruction well before COVID. The culture in these organisations, like New South Wales Ambulance, led by people like Dr Dominic Morgan, was uh, on the nose. Uh, they they are not they are not the organisations they once were. They are they are box ticking, self serving. Uh, organisations that are at the behest of these bureaucrats and, and politicians, uh, not providing a, a service that I would be uh, happy and, and, and think is commensurate with what the public expects. Uh, they have just uh, gone too woke. Uh, they just, did, you know, think that having a beer after your shift is uh, mm -hmm. is unacceptable. They they think that uh, all those sorts of things that we thought were uh, uh, good about being in an organisation like New South Wales Ambulance or Qantas or uh, any other uh, you know well-known establishment, they're, they're gone. Those those days are gone, and unfortunately, uh, uh, that, well, I think they need to be brought back, Rick. Uh, yeah. You know because yeah. we need to instil some sort of family value uh, back in these organisations. Get that culture back to uh, wanting people to stay. We just don't want uni students to come in there, uh, think they know it all, uh, and, and stay for two, two, two years and, and go to somewhere, somewhere else. Uh, you, you know, we're dinosaurs. You know, people that stick around for 20 years, I mean, that's unheard of now. Uh, it's, just like a, it's just like a rotating, uh, they're just in and out. And, you know, that doesn't do anyone any good. No, I think that's a reflection on the... Uh, on the organisations because people just don't want to stay there. Uh, it's too toxic. And an overhaul, yeah. an overhaul is needed by the sounds of things. And I want to go back. I mean, I'll be, I haven't been in the position where I've been threatened with a job loss because I didn't take a job. And I understand, I'm sure people are listening going, well, why would you ever go back to an employer that treated you so badly? Well, there are several reasons, one of which you've pointed out to say, well, I need to go back and make a stand. I need to go back and show them what time it is. I need to go back maybe and have more influence to make sure stuff like this doesn't happen again. But don't forget the financial pressures that a lot of people are under. Uh, people were threatened by losing their houses, losing their livelihoods. If 
if they didn't take this and have suffered terribly financially for this. Maybe they just don't have an option. And that's one of the reasons why these uh, coercion tactics were so powerful that the, the New South Wales, uh, the Queensland government, the, you know, the Western Australia, the, the, the Northern Territory, all of Australia, they knew people were under the cosh financially and they thought, let's effectively blackmail them. If you don't take the job, you don't earn any money. And speaking of going back, let's say, for example, 50% uh, of those ambulance staff do go back or paramedics do go back into the profession, which I understand you've got bills to pay. And, you know, anybody that's sitting judging people for going back when they have bills to pay, you know, if you've ever been broke or you've ever been under threat of losing your house, you'll do just about anything legal to keep the roof over your head and to keep your kids food on the table. So I'm not judging anybody for that. But will they be compensated? Will there be a backdating of pay for all the all the months and the years in some cases that these people lost, plus a payment for all the trauma that they've been put through? Has there been any talk about that, John? Well, not that I'm aware of, Rick. And I think this is where this Queensland uh, judgment will be very interesting because unfortunately that, that legislation that they've been able to rule on in Queensland doesn't exist in New South Wales. They, they must have a, a, a human rights uh, uh, section in their uh, state laws which, which the Supreme Court was able to, uh, you know, find uh, an opportunity to, uh, to to say that this was unlawful. That didn't exist in New South Wales. We, we had to go down the common law pathway and Tony Nicolick uh, with the Kassam matter and then myself uh, with with our matter. And uh, we, well, I mean, Tony's still fighting for us in the Industrial Relations Commission, for example. I mean, we, we, we um, my wife and I uh, were, were obviously sacked. I mean, she was a, an emergency nurse with a master's degree in clinical teaching, had spent her entire life working in emergency departments. Mm -hmm. Uh, in in major hospitals throughout uh, Australia, uh, so we we we've gone to the Industrial Relations Commission and uh, we we took a senior counsel in there uh, who uh, who who fought a really good case for us, and the the commissioner has uh, has sat on that judgment since the nineteenth of May, mm. uh, and it's now we're now in March nearly. Uh, and we don't have a result. Uh, so I, I think that gives some indication of how difficult it is even for the judiciary uh, or, or the the law system in New South Wales that they, they just don't know what to do. Um, mm. I believe, uh, look, the, the, the judicial system has really let us down. Uh, I, I mean, the... It's unbelievable what's going on. I mean, the, the, the guy that uh, represented Brad Hazard... Uh, against us and in the Kassam uh, case, he was appointed as a Supreme Court judge minutes after he left our case. Mm -hmm. Beyond belief. The, the judge that was uh, in charge of the uh, the hearing of Kassam uh, for Tony Nicolick's case, Justice Beach Jones, he was appointed to the High Court. He was appointed to the High Court. Now, he's on. He, he's been videoed... Uh, at, at functions at the University of New South Wales uh, preaching about COVID vaccines. Beyond mm -hmm. belief. 
that it, they seem to be like dogs with bones. These uh, ex premiers and these ex people that inflicted this upon people. You know, they 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 double down on their position. I don't think you're ever going to get an apology from them. I think that would be a bit much. Or if it is, it'll be a veiled apology, uh, John. But in the meantime, uh, big respect uh, to you. And also to Stephen, and a big shout out as well to Tony Nicolick, uh, I believe, uh, AFL solicitors up in Sydney. I've spoke to Tony many, many times, and actually, uh, I think I have him on the show next Tuesday as well. So I'm really looking forward to speaking to him again. I haven't spoke to him for a few months' time, but obviously, we'll be discussing business like this. So I just want to give you a big uh, TNT locked and loaded salute this morning for what you're doing, for sticking to your guns, and your wife too, uh, and Steve, and Tony, and all the work that's being done. Jared Rennick, what he's doing, Malcolm Roberts, of course. Uh, George Christensen's been in the mix there too. Alex Antic, so many people have took a stand and tried to hold these people to account. And before we go, uh, we're, we're just about out of time here. Direct people your way in terms of uh, your website or there's a little website that you have for the podcasting that you do with Graham Hood. It's Club, brilliant name this, by the way. I love the name, Club Grubbery, uh, C-L-U-B-G-R-U-B-B-E-R-Y.com. Dot au. Please check out the website and listen to the conversations that uh, John is having with Graham Hood, who's another uh, freedom warrior, ex-Qantas flyer, Aussie legend. Yes, there's no shortage of them out there. Uh, it's been a blast talking to you this morning, John. Wish I had a little bit longer. We're just getting warmed up. But hey, Thanks time's on. our enemy. I'm getting <laughs> kicked off her right now. So that means you're getting kicked off as well. So we've got to make room for the next guy, James Freeman. But have a great day, John. We'll stay in touch. And uh, I'll be back in the morning, sharp 9 a.m. UK time with Open Line. Don't go away. Stay tuned for James Freeman of TNT. Today's News Talk.